What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Don Sports. I'm Chris. I am Ben. Episode 56. Great show plan for you today. We have Ben's Mock Draft 1.0. Why 1.0? Because that's only, all that's going to be. He only has to do one. We also have our choice for the biggest draft bust in NFL history. Some baseball news. Drama, as always, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stunner. But first, the actual NFL draft itself. Apparently today, today being Monday, the 20th. Obviously, you guys are hearing this on Tuesday, but on Monday, the NFL ran a trial run of the way they're going to run the draft remotely. Uh, Was it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? It's three days? Uh, It'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Three days. And from what you tell me, Ben, there were some hiccups right off the bat. Oh, no, no, no. Chris, it went flawless, didn't it? Well, according to some GMs, but Roger Goodell ordered them to say that. So, No, it it, it was – let's see. First off, they did a conference – on a conference call, all 32 teams. And apparently some people don't understand the concept of using a mute button during a conference call because you had chatter going all back and forth. Then on top of that, there was a slight delay with the first overall pick. Why was there a delay? Bandwidth. So the Bengals weren't sure they wanted Joe Burrow? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Bandwidth. There wasn't enough bandwidth, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that. Yeah, you did. You mentioned are... that back, yeah. When you were talking about scenarios for this exact exact thing, you did bring that up, yeah. I, I remember you said it was ah, a little crazy, wasn't it? I did say I, I, I couldn't see them with all the wires and technology and all that stuff they have to have. I don't even know all the terms for it, honestly. But everything they have to have to actually have a game go from their cameras, the field, their cameras, to the TV. I would I would have had faith in them that they could have made this work without any kind of hiccups. Now, in fairness, a lot right. of times they're in trial runs. You never even hear about the problems. You just see the finished product. It's true. So it's not that outlandish to have an issue in the first few minutes, iron it out and then keep going. I mean, remember the first time we did a podcast on Skype? Yes. Which by the way, we don't use that service anymore because it just did. It was not compatible with my editing hardware. So, or software, excuse me. So we just decided to use a different program, but I mean, we sat there for a good two hours because it just wouldn't work. Uh, So it was uh, three and a half, Chris. Okay. I was being nice to myself, but. Yeah, it, it was a while. It didn't go well. It, it wasn't smooth. But so, I mean, yeah, you were right about that. You called it. But it looks like they did iron it out and get it to work. So yeah. we can't we can't really, really bag on them too much because there's no other real option here. They can't have it in person. The, 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 the disappointing thing would have been if they didn't do a trial run. Exactly. Which, right. Which would have made no sense to me because this would have been the first thing on my list of things to do is, oh. We need to do a trial run. Uh, my only issue is is maybe we should have done it a week ahead or two yeah, weeks ahead. Yes. Should have done one not, every every couple of days. Not, you know, four days before in case you can't get the stuff you need to increase the bandwidth or what have you or or more security needed for whatever reason. I don't think four days or now three uh, would be sufficient if you needed to get stuff, especially with the atmosphere we're in. 
it would have behooved them to do, uh, you know, a week ahead, two weeks ahead. But hey, they're the professionals; they know what they're doing. I'll take I'll take them that they're going to get it right by Thursday to start the draft. I said to you earlier, and I still feel this way. This is a situation where I mean, this is pretty unprecedented. This whole scenario of having to uh, have teams have their GMs and other high ranking front office officials in a room. And then they will apparently through a private secure channel inform yep. Roger Goodell of their picks. Roger Goodell will read the pick. And there are, I believe 58 college players who are going to have in-home cameras for reactions to when they're selected. Yeah. Okay. That's all well and good. I think there's still way too much, uh, potential for a problem. If I were the NFL, I record this thing starting tomorrow. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, record it. All these guys are going to have to get used to non-disclosure agreements and all that stuff. You're going to have the front office personnel. Everybody, everybody is on information lockdown. Nobody says a word. And then you air this thing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You might be saying, well, that doesn't really sound feasible. It doesn't really sound possible. Look, none of this is ideal in any right. fashion. None of this. It's cool they're still even doing it. Gives us all a distraction if you're into the, you know, into the draft. It's a nice distraction. Something to watch. I can appreciate them wanting to do it live for the purpose of it just being authentic. But what if you know, what if you go to do the first pick again? The Cincinnati Bengals select and it cuts out. And you can't get it back for an hour. What if there's inclement weather in any of the 32 cities or wherever they're they're hosting from? So many things can go wrong. Record it ahead of time. Just just do it. It's a valid argument. I'm not. Uh, I can't disagree with your points, Chris. The problem is, is they're built so much on between all your insiders reporting picks, like literally 20 seconds before the picks come out. And the intrigue and suspense it builds up where if you know it's recorded, it's not as much intrigue. And I get the non-disclosures, but you're still going to find people that want to drive, drive, drive to get that information first. So they can be that, that new insider or that, that next Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter. It just doesn't seem feasible for me to do a recorded all I have to say is it's got to be on a tape delay. There's like, there's no doubt about it. Oh, tape delay and, at minimum tape delay for sure. And I think you try to, you try to lock down these insiders as much as you can. Uh, I know they're going to get the picks out quicker than oh, sometimes quicker than you can, but you got to try to lock it down to, to keep it between the team, the GM and the uh, Roger Goodell. And, and that's about it. Uh, if you can possibly do that, you can have a good production. And with the players, that that thing has to be, I think, recorded and then televised five minutes later. It, it cannot be – I don't even think that can be on a tape delay. And if it's on a tape delay, it's like a minute or two tape delay because you just have no control sometimes of what they're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if they're if they're in the comfort of their own homes, 
they might be a little bit more lax where in the environment that they're usually in at the NFL draft um, event, they can kind of have, they kind of have that filter set in that, you know, they're dressed up nice outfits. They're with their family. It's a great moment, great feeling in a home setting. You don't know what could happen. And I think they have to be very careful with that aspect. Honestly, of, we'll be lucky if half these guys are wearing pants. Right. Uh, Even it'll, though be a they, it'll be a victory in and of itself. And they have been given uh, details of what they're allowed to do and what they're, well, mostly what they're not allowed to do. You know, they have to be very clear on their uh, clothing that they wear. Uh, they can't spo- have any sponsors that aren't NFL related. Uh, they, if I'm if I'm a prospect, I keep it very clean. A cup of water or or a bottle of water without a label on it. Yeah, exactly. And and that's it. Clothing, plain clothes, Jeans whatever you want. <laughs> a polo, and if you're down something, yeah, absolutely. And if you're one of these guys who went out and started renting a suit or bought a new suit or whatever, throw it on. Absolutely, yeah. It's still Put your it big on moment. For the event. I mean, it's do not. It's not do, yeah. Good. Just do it right. Do it right. Yeah, it's, don't it's, don't think because you're at home you have to, you know, dress like we do. Oh yeah. No, I mean, there's not. First of all, there's nothing wrong with how we're dressed. Second of all, but you're absolutely right. It doesn't. It's not how they pictured their moment being, as far as the moment they were drafted. You know, learning. You know, from a computer screen. But this is the situation we're in. Doesn't take away from their moment or their accomplishment. So by all means, if you. Worse, you know, you got some snappy tailored custom suit. Yeah, oh yeah, throw it on, throw it on. Um, just in, in conclusion, for me at least, to, to your point about uh, insiders and everything, I would say I, I agree with you that there's always going to be people who find ways to get information early. Uh, there was even some G, um, some insiders today that were saying that GMs were texting them as they were doing the mock draft. There's always going to be that no matter what. So if you want to make sure this thing goes off without a hitch, I think the best thing to do is just do it and have the knowledge that the people who really want to see this authentically without any kind of spoiler, if you will, are going to stay away from everything. Right. I mean, you love the draft as much as anybody I know. You've always loved it. I think think it's great. It's a lot of fun. But you... It's like, well, draft day is second Christmas, but it's like third Christmas for you. Maybe yes. even second. I don't know. Uh, I would tilt towards second Christmas, to be honest with you, Chris. Uh, that's fair enough. But, I mean, so you're not going to do anything to spoil that, regardless of what any of these uh, alleged air quotes insiders say or think or do. You're going to let that be the most authentic experience you can possibly get. The The only time I was looking at my phone on Twitter – uh, during draft is because I'm working. That's it. Absolutely. And there's always going to be people who want every bit of information they can get as soon as they can. They can't wait. And they're going to find out whatever they're going to find out anyways. The people who don't want to see that, whether it's recorded or not, are not going to see it until the time is right. So Absolutely. I would say do, hell, do two more mock drafts tomorrow. You're not doing anything else. Do two more. And then do two more Wednesday. And if both of those go, oh, excuse me, both of those days go well, then okay, I guess try to do it live. But for me, 
I would take the guesswork out of it and just do it ahead of time. That way, if something does go wrong, you have time to edit it, cut it, fix it, re-record it, anything. Like, don't take a chance. I mean, since we're talking about taking chances, it's, it's clearly Yannick Njaku's taking a big chance. Um, some of the things he's been saying today. Yeah, Yannick is uh, he's going a little crazy in quarantine, I think. I think he needs to calm down a little bit. Uh, what was he doing, Chris? Just was, to rush me? I was on his side when all this began about how he wanted to get out of the dumpster fire that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. We both were. We both understood. Is uh, was a third round draft pick? Was he? Yeah, it's a third round draft pick who made everybody realize they were sleeping on him. He was the steal of at least to, up to that point of the draft. Guy's a phenomenal player, but he did not want Jacksonville to franchise him. He wants to be traded. Doesn't right. want to play there. Quite honestly, can't blame him. That franchise sucks. <laughs> to put it mildly, they pay the wrong people. They they they'll get big contracts to whoever came in. Of having a career year and then hit free agency, and then they unceremoniously usually release them within a year or two. They just They're released just, Mark. They released Mark Keesley today. Yeah, they are a poorly run organization, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that you can act like a giant a hole and be taken seriously. Still, apparently, Mister Njaku has been. Uh, and a bit of a Twitter war, which I can't believe an actual phrase in 2020, but it is. Never goes well, Chris. Never goes well. Uh, with the Khan family, who is the owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, by all accounts, I mean, they can't run a team to save their life. But by all accounts, from what I hear, they're very solid people. They're nice guys. Uh, both Shad very, and his son, Tony. Very rich, too. Yeah, very rich. You know, good for them. That That's not... You can you can be a rich or a poor and still be an a hole, so that really doesn't matter. Um, but apparently, Yannick and Jaku has been in the habit of following and then unfollowing Tony Khan on Twitter based on his mood that day, which oh, is the award for the most immature thing possible goes to Yannick and Jaku. That's just stupid in and of itself. And then he's tagging Tony Khan, saying, "Stop hiding from me." To which, in all fairness, Tony Khan responded, we're in quarantine. I'm not hiding. I've been active. You keep on following me. I'm prepping for a draft. Valid points. Just because he runs an organization piss poorly doesn't mean it's not a valid point. Yeah, that's fair. But it's like, if you're Yannick Njaku, you had the high road. You're a phenomenal player who didn't want to play for an organization that was absolutely and very clearly either tanking or just having a fire sale because they don't know what they're doing. You want it out. You want to go play for a competitor. And now you do something like this and you act this way and it discredits your character completely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a sad situation. Um, I, I mentioned Mark Easley got that uh, released today and apparently Leonard Fournette is on the trading block. And then Yannick and Jaku has been wanting to leave uh, since the fragrance has started. Jalen Ramsey got traded last year. Nick Foles got traded this, this off season. It's just f- a fire sale is the best way 
uh, I could put it. It's it's exactly what you said. I just think Yannick just kind of torpedoed, I don't know, two, three million dollars off of his AAV on his next contract because of doing some dumb stuff like this. Like the, the keyword you said was had, had. Yep. yep. And now he doesn't. Now he's just like any other player in the league who just, it's all about him. And once, I mean, I guess you, I get it. He wants to play for a competitor, but he was correct in his statements up until this point. Exactly. If you sit on your statements that you've been saying, you're fine. And I'm sure the Jags would have gotten to him eventually. Just doesn't make sense that all of a sudden, a few days before the draft, you start going on a, on a Twitter war with, with the owner's son. And it just doesn't make any inherent sense to me why you would do that. No, there's no logic it, there. Poor decision. You devalue yourself as a player. And now you make it more difficult for the Jags to trade you because they're expecting production uh, – um, they per, they're they're projecting to get this in return for you, and a team is going to look at it and say no. Just by that one Twitter war between him and the owner's son, we're not going to pay that. We're going to pay less because we just don't see the value in Yannick and Jaku for that amount of draft picks or player uh, transaction. It doesn't make sense. And then on top of that, he wants a new contract. Boy, I tell you. You're going you're gonna to have a tough time unless you really sell a team on what you can do and how you're going to behave. And honestly, that's how, that's how you need to be. CMC didn't get his contract because he went on a Twitter war with, with one of his ex-players. Nah. Uh, Amari Cooper, for all the crap you have given him, he did his business. He did it the right way. Right, exactly. Got his contract. He's all set. You want to talk about a player who who ruffled the little feathers but got his contract? Yeah, Zeke Elliott got his contract. But he didn't get in a Twitter war. No. He made a stance. This is what I'm doing. I'm staying in Kabul until you get me a contract. He got his contract. You just got to do it a civil way. And Yannick was almost there, and then he does this. He had it, like 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 we both said. He he was on the right path. He had the high road. He was correct. He was an incredible player, an incredible talent in a, in, in the peak beginning of his prime. And 25, 25 years old, I believe. Yeah, didn't want to play for an organization that was selling off pieces for left and right like nothing. Totally understand it. No problem. Uh and as far as see, I want to make one thing kind of clear here so there's no confusion character issues are much different than like legal issues even if it's a bad character decision i don't that's a legal issue like if you you know you have like uh domestic or some other kind of assault charge or dui dui those are obviously in a much more severe bad decision bracket nothing he did was illegal or harmful to anybody but if you're looking at a guy who you're going to bring in to potentially be the cornerstone of a defense, you're not going to have somebody in there that when things aren't going his way, he's going to start calling people out on Twitter. 
You know who's done? Who's been doing that? Antonio Brown. And where is he at right now? Yeah, Chris? Look where he's at. He can't even play in the XFL because it doesn't exist anymore. Right. So, I, Yannick, you want to keep talking? You're just going to see dollar signs and zero is dropping off your contract. Doesn't make any sense. Keep your mouth shut, like you said about Amari Cooper. I have no problem with Amari Cooper as a human being. I don't know if anything he's done that's wrong or out of line. He's just not great on the field. It's not a personal problem. I'm just observing what I see. If he can get his money, I think the Cowboys made a poor decision, but good for him. Zeke, got up. Zeke yeah. was same thing. I want my new contract. I'm not playing until I get it. This is where I'll be. When you want to talk to me, come talk to me. Didn't call out Jerry Jones. Didn't start this because, you know, Jerry would have responded. Jerry right. would have bought a new radio station just to respond to him. And Jerry did respond in different ways. Right. And you know who didn't take the bait? Was Zeke Elliott. Because mm-hmm. he's smarter than did- that. Somebody, smart. Someone's got to get in Yannick Njaku's ear and say, end all this. Do what you got to do. You're going to get your money. Just shut up. What what do you think about uh Fournette though? Where do you where do you see him going since clearly he's on the uh trading block? I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought about it a whole lot. Because I was kind of doing the whole uh you know, going through what the whole Njaku Khan yeah. Twitter war thing when I saw that they were actually actively trying to trade him. You brought up a very, very good uh potential landing spot for Leonard Fournette. So why don't you why don't you tell us that? I did have an initial this would be this was my second idea because my first idea it intrigued me for half a second and then I thought about it I'm like that doesn't make sense. I thought about pairing him with CMC to get a get that load off of a CMC, but I feel like Fournette wants his money and he's not gonna go somewhere to be second fiddle to anybody. So my second option, and I thought this is perfect. LA Chargers. Pair him with Austin Eckler. Great combo. He, Great combo. Absolutely fantastic combo. You can even play them together sometimes. But Fournette's your your bruiser, where Austin Eckler, you you know he wore down the, during the season. It, it's fairly obvious. And he's just not going to make it through a whole NFL season being your every down back. No, he can't. He's, he doesn't, he's not built for it. And whether you go with Tyrod Taylor or a rookie, having two NFL caliber running backs in your backfield, fantastic move. And you have Hunter Henry still. You have Mike Williams. And I'm thinking about – I'm forgetting some – oh, uh, Keenan Allen. You have weapons. How much would it cost? It's not a first-round pick. No. I guarantee that. Honestly, they'll be lucky for like third and a fifth at this point. And I would take that on a yep. flyer for Leonard Fournette. And you say, you're going to pair with Austin Eckler. Eckler is going to be more of our receiving back. You're going to be more of our running uh, rush, running back. And you'll be productive. You'll get you'll get your yards if you you come in conditioned like he did this past offseason. And he can go out and get his money. Especially if they say, uh, we're not going to do – because they have till May 4th to do exercise the fifth year option for him. So if he trades before then, and the team says, we're not going to pick up your fifth year option. That way you could be a free agent this off season. So now he has one season because he didn't have a bad season last year. They had a bad team. Right. So you give him one season to say, go prove it. And you'll be a free agent. 
And if you want to do that under the table agreement that they won't tag him, great. Now you just give him incentives to say, go out, prove yourself. You're not going to, Austin Eckler is not going to take carries away from you. And everyone still knows you can receive out of the backfield. It's, it's a win-win for everybody in this situation. And the Jacksonville Jaguars gets whatever they can for um, Leonard Fournette, and they can move on to probably having the trashiest team on the field. Oh, there's no doubt they're going to be – yeah, they're – if they don't get the first pick, it's because somebody else is actively trying to suck worse. Let me ask you real quick. Go ahead. Before we go on to your draft Mach 1.0 breakdown. At what point does Jacksonville keep anyone? Anyone. For um, now, this is 2017 fourth overall pick. He had that one down year. First year he was fine. Last year he was good on a really bad team. They brought in Foles, gave him big money. All of a sudden, he's not the guy. They, Fournette's not the guy. They ship out Calais Campbell. They ship out Jalen Ramsey. They ship out A.J. Boye. They ship out everyone else of substance that matters. At what point does this team go, maybe, try developing an actual team? And keeping them together. Oh, they did pay Blake Bortles, though, so good for them. At what point do they keep anybody and say, let's build a team? All they do is uh, draft people and then trade them two or three years later. Like, you can, it's just like, this is almost, it feels like Madden. Like, when you when you first start your franchise mode and you want to trade, no, you trade everything you can to get the first overall pick. And then the first overall pick has crazy value. So you trade the first overall pick for the second overall pick and another first round pick. Then you trade the second overall pick for the third overall pick. And next thing you know, you have the entire first round almost. I think the most they ever got up to is like 11 first round picks. It's ridiculous. But you never build a competitive team in real life that way. Madden you can because you're controlling them. Right. But no matter how rich he is, Tony Khan, Tony Chad Khan can sit up there with a PS4 controller and actually make these guys play. So like, at what point do you realize how bad of an owner or just franchise in general you are? Bill Chris, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Chris. Um, their first round pick from last year, Josh Allen, obviously looked pretty damn good. As well, he's probably on the block. Try to get him. And Miles Jack at 24 years old. He came in the league at 21, I believe. 20 or 21. He already got his extension, so he's he's there. And that's about it. I don't I don't remember their first round pick from two years ago. But obviously, three years ago, it was uh, Leonard Fournette. Tom Hanks in Castaway is not as lonely as Miles Jack is right now. It's pretty much Miles Jack, Josh Allen, DJ Shark, and that's it. Yeah. And and some offensive linemen who really, you know, okay, offensive linemen. It's a play for Trevor Lawrence. It's pure and simple, Chris. It's all it is. It's a play for Trevor Lawrence. Well, this kid but better be play- lights out. He better be lights out because they are just trashing their franchise for a hope. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not. I'm not doubting him. I'm not doubting him yet. He now has two years under his belt. He will have three before he comes in. Comes out in the draft. But you got to see what, because it feels like his freshman year, he kind of took a few steps back. And he was bailed out by his receivers and his defense in the championship to uh, his first year. And then last year, obviously LSU ran rock shot all over Clemson and pretty much put him in, uh, put him away early. You know, if 
they come out next year and Clemson doesn't win it again, and they don't even make the SEC, uh, ACC championship, or they don't make the college football playoff, it's going to look pretty bad on Trevor Lawrence to go from the peak of winning yeah. the championship in his first year to not. He was the Heisman favorite going into the season, and he petered out by the half halfway point and was taken over by Joe Burrow. Do you know how bad of an organization you have to be to take the the moniker of laughing stock away from the New York Jets? Oh my God! I mean, they're they're taking it's happened. It it's oh, not wait, Bill it, O'Brien. It's not the Jets. The laughing stock of the NFL is the Jacksonville Jaguars. After they trade Leonard Fournette and Yannick Njoku, they will be the worst team possibly in the NFL ever. Yeah, and that's, I, I, Chris, I don't know. Been some bad ones. They signed Tyler Eifert for whatever reason. I don't know any of their running backs after Leonard Fournette. They have a bunch of crap at wide receiver after DJ Chark. DD Westbrook's okay, but after that, it's their secondary obviously is atrocious now after trading all those pieces. It's it's bad. It's bad. They're just going to have 11 defensive linemen standing there, and whatever happens, happens. It makes sense. I'm going to do everybody a favor here. I think I'm going to make a uh, – I'm going to pull a pivot, and I'm just going to have the Jaguars trade Yannick Njaku to the Texans for Bill O'Brien. That way we can save time from a how did the Jaguars screw up segment and how did Bill O'Brien screw up segment. Put Bill O'Brien in Jacksonville and just two birds with one stone, and then we can move on to the rest of the logical sports world. You know what? I was I was wondering where you were going with that, Chris, and now it makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying to it be a makes, problem solver. I'm trying. Because Texan, the Texans still have talent. For now. For now. You're right, for now. No thanks to Bill O'Brien. But consolidating – and think of it this way, Chris. You could even possibly bring Adam Gase in, and now you have oh, yeah. the vortex of just the worst of the NFL in Jacksonville. Bill O'Brien, GM, Adam Gase, head coach, lifetime contracts, book there it. There you go. It's money. Book it. Done. Done. Speaking of money, you got a mock draft you did. I do. I do. I'm excited. It's not the first mock draft I've ever done. It's the first one I've done in many, many years. And for a podcast, other people are going to hear. And for a podcast that other people are going to hear. I've, I've jotted them down before, but never really, like, showed my hand i just i would just follow as i i right. watched the draft this is the first time because i'm actually gonna when we're done um either tuesday or wednesday i'm actually gonna in, in a, a full form put this out on uh twitter uh instagram and uh facebook my whole i'm told my whole mock draft which i'm pretty excited about i already got the uh honor of uh looking at it first and uh how we're gonna do this is as Ben stated last show and in uh, our Facebook posts and social media posts, he's not going to go over and break down every single player because that'd be a four hour show. He's going to read a, a section. He's going to read the number, the draft pick, uh, the player, the team they're going to go to. And when he hits somebody, he really wants to talk about, or I see somebody who I really want to know more about. I'm going to, you know, Hey, what about this guy? Because he has broken down all these guys, but for the in the effort to condense time, we're really going to 
they dive deep into six or seven players. Um, so just so you know what's going on. So if you hear like, oh, the, you know, spoiler, Bengals, Joe Burrow. They've already talked Joe Burrow to death. You can go back and listen to those episodes. They're all out. You know, we have talked plenty about him. We're not going to dive deep into him. But there's a few other players who may have been brought up, may not have been mentioned at all, who Ben or I really feel deserve a bit more of a breakdown. So just how we're going to do it. Let you in. A little peep behind the curtain here. All right, all right Ben. All right, Chris. The floor all is right, yours. Chris. So <clears throat> first pick in the draft, uh, obviously it's going to go uh, Joe Burrow to Cincinnati Bengals, quarterback out of LSU. Uh, we're going to go chalk uh, again with uh, Washington Redskins at the second pick, taking Chase Young, defensive end out of Ohio State. At third, even though there's some rumors going about, I'm still going to have Detroit take Jeff Okuda, cornerback out of Ohio State, with the number three pick. I like Jeff Okuda. Looking at it is looking at his stats, it's not flashy. He's got two forced fumbles and three interceptions in 2019. And that's it for what he has for his career uh, as a two-year starter. It's the fact that they won't throw the ball on his side of the field. I know this because Jeff Okuda played at Ohio State. It's the Big Ten country. I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan. I've experienced Jeff Okuda for three years, two years as a starter. I know what he could do. It's not pretty if you're a a Michigan Wolverines fan to watch Jeff Okuda shut down one side of the field. And that's kind of what he did. He's got length. He's got ability. I I just, the package is there, Chris. Is he a cover one side of the field player a la Richard Sherman, or is he i I'm going to shut down your best receiver kind of player? He's, he's going to shut down your best receiver. He's got that. he's, He's worthy of a number three pick then. He's got that moxie. He's got that arrogance that you want in a corner. He's got that edge. Um, his hands, I don't know if they're, it's be, just because he doesn't get a lot of balls thrown his way that his hands aren't out of this world. They can improve. But his 41-inch vert and his 135-inch jump, long jump, which were both first at the combine, tells me he's got the athletic ability and I'll comp him to Tredavious White because I think wow. a slighter built right now, but that doesn't mean he can't bulk out a little bit. He's not a speed demon. He's a length guy. He's a physical guy, and he doesn't mind getting his nose in there and making those tackles. All right. So we got, at we number, got four. At number four. Now, I've told you this before. I think the draft starts at the Giants. But I think they're going to stay there. They're going to take Jaderic Willis, Jaderic Wills Jr., outside, outside lineman. So I think we're looking at a tackle here, which is really where you want. It. The only thing you would draft this high, he's out of Alabama, um, and the Giants will take him number four. Miami Dolphins will take Tua Tungavailoa at number five, quarterback out of Alabama. That I, Despite I, what everyone's saying, he's going to fall in the second round. That's ridiculous. I am not taking all the – I'm not. I'm going through the smoke, through the fire, through all the BS, and I'm cutting right to it. 
This is the guy they wanted years ago. They're going to take him. Number six, Los Angeles Chargers are going to take Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. At number seven, and this is interesting because there's a lot of, of stuff going around about is Carolina going to move up? Are they going to move down? What are they going to do? They're going to take defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. Now, this guy, Chris, looking at video of this guy, he's got talent. He came out of a junior college, two-year starter. He's 6'5", 300-plus pounds. He didn't do anything at the combine. He had 10.5 sacks in two seasons, six this year. Out of the defensive line, so like more so in the uh, in the middle, out of a base forty three, not a defensive, not a not a nose tackle, not a pure beef guy to take up run, uh, take up the gaps. He's your penetrating guy. First team All SEC in two thousand nineteen. I look at him. I was going to look at him at like an Aaron Donald, but he's bigger than Aaron Donald. So the only guy I could think of. Is big C ninety three bigger than Aaron Donald? He's big uh, height wise. Oh, Aaron, Aaron Donald's Donald. a monster. Aaron, Jesus. Yeah, but he's not that. He's not, not a height tall wise. guy. Okay. But looking at Seymour, Seymour is kind of the same built height, and he kind of developed into that guy that can go up and down the line, as we saw in all three Super Bowls for the Patriots. I like him going to Carolina because if you lost Kinkley and you're trying to reform that defense. It's not a bad guy to have that just disrupts the offense. I'll, I'll be honest, 100. Uh, I really don't. I don't follow. I've said this before. I don't follow college football nearly to the levels you do. Yep. The only thing I can say is, with the Panthers, they need a new, for lack of a better term, quarterback on defense. I don't know much about this kid, but I know 99 percent of the time that's a linebacker. I don't see how after losing Kinkley, the Carolina Panthers see Isaiah Simmons on the board and don't say his name to fill in the Kinkley role. I, I just, you, you know more than I do about this, honestly. So I'm not, I'm not doubting your, your, uh, your breakdown here, but I just, I don't under, I don't see them letting Simmons go by them. I think cause they gave, I believe they gave Shaq Thompson his extension. I think they're kind of trying to hand him the reins of the defense and nothing's better for a middle linebacker or linebacker period than having a disruptive force in the the front four. Sure. No, I agree with that. To really make it difficult, especially in a division with Tom Brady, Drew Brees and Matt Ryan at quarterbacks. You need disruptors. You need people. And and th- it goes for all quarterbacks. But what do they always say about Tom? How do you get to t- – how do you fluster Tom? You have to get in his face. Got to get in his face. The Pressure up the middle. Put tape of Jovan Kinlaw on. We'll see him. He got it in everybody's face. I'm not just talking about your Utah State, your uh, North Carolina, your Duke. You look at tape. He's getting in the face of Tua Tagovailoa. He's getting in the face of Joe Burrow. So it's not just these lesser schools that he's facing. 
there are premium schools he's facing that he's getting up in their grill. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens because I've heard a lot of people talk about potentially trading up in front of Carolina. So it, it is, it will be intriguing. Be very to see intriguing because if- I, I think, quite honestly, I think your scenario here makes more sense. But uh, we'll, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at number eight, Arizona Cardinals had CD Lamb for a while. Yeah. Thanks, that Bill changed O'Brien. real quick. I, I'm going CJ Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. A corner, um, not an offensive lineman. Not an offensive lineman. I'm going corner. Okay. You need, you need a potential replacement for Peterson. All right. Trade alert. If we were a video and we would be flashing a trade alert right here, the rumors that we talked about last episode, I believe it was last episode, about Atlanta moving up, this is where they're going to move up. Number nine, they're just pretend. Just pretend you had a flashy trade alert. Just pretend. Excellent. Thank you. I'm going to trade. Atlanta's going to trade up to number nine with Jacksonville. They're going to take Isaiah Simmons. Safety slash linebacker out of Clemson. This is this is gonna be a big move for them. At number 10, Cleveland Browns are gonna take offensive lineman Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Another person that's more so a tackle. Again, you don't take guards and centers really in the top 15, 20. At number 11, the New York Jets. As they need it, we'll take C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, out of Alabama. Or, I'm sorry, Oklahoma. At number 12, the Las Vegas Raiders will take uh, Tristan Wolf. Wolfs. I can't pronounce his name, but I tried. He is an off- <laughs> He's an offense lineman. Again, another more so tackle. Uh, out of Iowa, and we know how Iowa pumps out pretty good tight ends and pretty good offensive yeah. linemen. So this is a win for Las Vegas. Those big ugly positions, Iowa's really good at. <clears throat> it's not a, it's not it's not a knock, by the way. That sounds like a knock. It's not. That's that's it's they're just just the way they're built out there. Something no about matter, their system. Them big country farm boys. I don't know. It just works. Number thirteen, the Indianapolis Colts will not trade this pick, even though there's rumors. They will take wide receiver Jerry Judy out of Alabama. Now, we discussed Jerry Judy a couple episodes ago. He doesn't have flashing speed. He doesn't doesn't have all the athleticism. That was Henry Ruggs III. He has got the ability to run routes, and that's what Indianapolis needs. They have T.Y. Hilton. They have uh, Curtis Samuel. They picked up Devin Punches to kind of do that, be that route runner, which he really never was. Trust me, I've seen it. Uh, I think Jerry Judy can be that guy for at least Philip Rivers for one season. I like the appeal of, of getting a quarterback, but I think you get a talent like Jerry Judy. We already went over his comp. He he looks like Greg Jennings, in my opinion. Uh, and I think – with 159 catches, 2,742 yards, and 26 touchdowns in two-plus seasons, he was the 2018 Belindikoff Award winner. 
not 19, 18. That's uh, for the top receiver, right? Top receiver in the entire NCAA. Okay. So the best. I just think it makes so much sense for the Colts at number 13 instead of trading that pick away. Now, I, I was kind of surprised when you said, not because Jerry Judy's not talented, but I haven't heard Henry Ruggs third called yet. And I know a lot of people are higher on him than Judy. So I was kind of curious why you did pick Judy here instead of Ruggs, but your uh, your explanation makes sense. They already have that in T.Y. Hilton. You don't need two of the same player. They need somebody else who's a solid route runner. So that'd be a nice oh. combo. Can you imagine how good this kid's going to look running downfield and having Phillip Rivers just under throw him the throw interceptions? It's going to be phenomenal. He's going to be re- for- really special the following year when they bring in somebody talented at quarterback who can actually throw to him. It, I, I get you, Chris. That makes sense. It does. Uh, and I think just having Curtis Samuel as well kind of makes it – I don't want to say he's a younger T.Y. Hilton, but he's got speed to speed to burn. So it doesn't make sense to bring in Henry Ruggs III to add on to having another guy. No, the logic checks out. It may make sense. At number 14 – now, now you would think Tom Brady would want something here. I'm going to disappoint Tom Brady. Uh, disappointed uh, us, so fair is fair. They're going to take Derek Brown, defensive lineman out of Auburn. At number 15, the aforementioned Henry Ruggs III, wide receiver out of Alabama, going to Denver. I, I, pairing Cortland Sutton with him. That's a nice combo, yeah. That's real nice. And that's Especially what with you're a looking ne- for. good tight end, too. Good young tight end. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a nice combo. All right. Now we have the trade, the back end of the trade, Jacksonville at number 16. Apologize to this gentleman for, for, for butchering your name. I did try to learn it. But at defense, at edge, it's position's edge, but I, I'll call it defensive end. Kalevon Chason out of LSU. Now, do they trade him the following season or while the draft is still going on? Two seasons, Chris. Okay. Two seasons. Two seasons, okay. Yes, two seasons. And this will replace Yannick and Jaku when they finally trade him. So now you'll pair uh, rookie Chason with uh, second-year man uh, Josh Allen. And that'll pretty much what have what what they'll have on defense, and that's it. The Dallas Cowboys will take Grant Delpit safety out of LSU. You see a you see a pattern for me here, Chris. It's pretty much Alabama and LSU going. Yeah, it's pretty much exclusively their teams, and then when they're depleted, everyone else is going to get picked. Pretty much, yeah. At number eighteen, this is. A pick that already happened uh, during the season. Miami picked up the number 18 pick from Pittsburgh uh, for Mika Fitzpatrick. With their second pick, they're going to take T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. And if you want to hear what uh, I had to say on him, uh, go back a couple of episodes. uh, When we talked about wide receivers, you'll get a little more in-depth on him. Las Vegas at number 19, because I believe this was the uh, part of the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, they got this pick from Chicago. They're going to take linebacker Kenneth Murray out of Alabama. I've heard good things about him. Yes, very good things. Solid, solid player. 
At number 20, the Jacksonville Jaguars pick from the LA Rams for Jalen Ramsey. We'll take Xavier McKinnon, safety out of Alabama. Surprise, surprise. Did you uh, did you have any questions on that one, Chris, or no? No, I've heard this. I, I watched a little tape on this kid. Yep. Uh, by, by your recommendation. And I, I've heard he's the hardest hitting safety in, in college football. That's kind of the rap everybody gave him. I didn't really see that, but I did see a major, major disruptive force. This kid gets in the back. Two offensive linemen trying to block him. He goes around him. He goes through him. When people hit him, offensive players hit him, they they go down. Like he doesn't people don't get by him. He wraps him up. He's a solid tackler. He hits people. They don't he doesn't hit somebody and then they move forward three more yards. He hits them and they drop right there. Exactly. Like, I mean he is he looks like a really, really solid player. This this is one of those guys where the measurables doesn't doesn't scream first round pick. Six feet, ran a fourth, six three. A 36-inch vert. At safety, he was seventh in the vert. 122-inch broad jump. He was 15th in safeties. Safety. He's not wide, not defensive backs. Safeties. Yet his stats aren't great, but they're spread. I look at him and I say, the honey badger. Tyron Matthew. He just has not the honey badger. He is the honey badger, Chris. Officially, BS. I just I did when I when I saw him, Chris. I just looked at it. He wants to get in the storm. He wants to get in the action. He wants to Doesn't hit somebody. Matter. Exactly. He just wants to get in on it. He's not one of those. He's not a cornerback, so he doesn't want to go out on the edge and just cover. And he's not one of those single high safeties who just wants to play center field and wait for the ball. This is a guy who wants to get in on the action. Is it like Rodney Harrison level of I want to hit somebody? Troy Palomalu level, Ed Reed level around. Pretty there? much. Pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. I agree with those assessments. Okay. All right. Now the Eagle fans, pay attention. Jalen Ragor, wide receiver, believe. Yep. TCU. At he number better 21. be a receiver if the Eagles are taking him. He better be. At number 21, he and this is this is where they have to go. They have to go here. If they don't, it's a mistake. At number 22, this is going to be a little debated because of what they already have. LaVishka Chenault Jr., wide receiver out of Colorado. I understand what they have already. I'm taking Cole Beasley and Jaron Brown. And saying you got like one more season and you're probably out. And you're gonna go Stefan Diggs and Shannon going forward. That's just my opinion. Wait, didn't Buffalo you said Buffalo, right? I did. So they why traded that pick to Minnesota. And that's why it looks weird. I forgot to change that. <laughs> it is Minnesota. Thank you, Chris, for correcting me on my own mock draft. I feel bad that, doing that, but we already did 20-something picks, so. All right, that's fine. That's hey, I'll tell fine. you what, You're dude, correct. Hey, this is a lot of work. Anybody who thinks you just throw this together in five minutes. So incorrect. it can be really, really hard to, you know, 
you're working and doing this and trying to help with the rest of the show, it's 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 a lot of work. So there's so, and and I remember why there was like I I, I even questioned it, thinking in my head, why am I why do I have Shanat going to Buffalo, and and you just reminded me, I don't have him going to Buffalo. I have him going to Minnesota. I'll own the mistake. It's fine. At number twenty three. Now, as you know, Chris, number 23 is New England Patriots, right? Uh, yeah, as of now. Trade alert. The tr- Patriots will trade with the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks will come up from 27 to 23. They will take cornerback Trevion Diggs out of Alabama. Number 24, the New Orleans Saints. They're going to take... Defensive end, you Utert Gross Matos, defensive end at a Penn State. Number 25 will be Kristen Fulton, cornerback out of I believe Florida. Sorry if I'm I'm, I'm getting my names mixed up. There's a lot, there's a lot going on over here. Uh sorry, not not Florida, LSU. And he is going to Minnesota because they have no cornerbacks because they pretty much let them all go. They did let Miami. Them all go. Yes, yes, they did. They just let them fly, fly away. At number 26, who the Miami Dolphins fleeced from the Houston Texans, they will take running back DeAndre Swift. So nice little offense two, Miami's building down there. That they are. That they are. And, and I get it's heavy on offense. But they Chris, need it, though. <laughs> they need it. They need it. That's they, it. Nothing you can do about they, it. You only build one thing at a time. They went free agency defense, yep. pretty much, I would say. It's not bad in theory to go young on offense and build it from there. Number 27. The back end of the deal, the New England Patriots will select Jake Fromm, quarterback, out of Georgia. I love this pick. I hope it happens. I really do. I think this kid would be perfect for Belichick and his system. I'm going to say he's a two-plus-year starter, but realistically it's like almost three-year starter. He was the SEC freshman of the year, to put that in context. He had almost – he had over 8,000 yards passing. Not a great percentage, completion percentage, 63% overall. A nice TD to interception ratio, 78 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. I do want to point out as far as uh, not great 63% completion percentage, Peyton Manning was just a shade above 62. So you can learn. Absolutely. Now we know what his comp is from the uh, previous episode yep, uh, when we did Stafford. the quarterbacks. Yep. Right. Uh. I just like the pick. I think he's 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 a sturdy guy. I think he's undervalued tremendously around the league, at least as far as analysts, draft experts. I just don't think he had the weapons in Georgia to really pronounce his abilities. He's going to be a good game manager who could potentially develop down the line into more prolific quarterback i don't (laughs) i don't want to tag him with that name that he could be but he's a steady mechanically sound quarterback who makes 
all the throws. And say if only the Patriots had a head coach who knew how to handle a player who just needed to be pushed over that edge and just refined slightly to turn himself from a game manager to a great quarterback. I don't know where we're going to find a coach like that. I don't know. I'm just saying he, he makes a lot of sense to the New England Patriots. At number 28, we have offensive lineman. And I think this one's another tackle. Um, Tyler Baidiez out of Wisconsin going to Baltimore. They need to replace Marshall Yonda, who retired. I think it's a perfect place. And you don't really need a lot of flash with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I think they got everything they pretty much need. All right. <clears throat> Number 29, Tennessee Titans will take A.J. Espina out of Iowa. It's an interesting pick. It's an edge guy to replace. Uh, they traded who they trade, Chris. Ah, fudge. I forgot how they traded uh, during the offseason. One of their defense alignment. Uh, who is that? For a seventh round pick they traded. The uh, Titans. Oh, man. Uh, Got me stumped. I don't know. I can't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember. He was a big name. He used to be a big name. Anyway, moving on. At number 30, the Green Bay Packers will take wide receiver Justin Jefferson out of LSU. And this will be a nice pairing with Devontae Adams. That would be a real nice combo, yeah. Absolutely. As lo- I mean, he doesn't have uh, initials for a name, so he should be fine, right? Yeah, you would think so. You'd assume. Yeah. Poor MVS. <laughs> At number 31, the San Francisco 49ers will take Lloyd Cushenberry third out of LSU. He is an offensive lineman. I think he's technically a center. And has the best name to this point in the draft. Uh, it's it's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name, Chris. Our last pick and our last trade of the of the mock draft. The Cincinnati Bengals will trade back into the first round with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they will take Caesar Ruiz, center out of Michigan. Yes, of course. Ben picks a Michigan player to go 32nd overall. Well, you did pick 31 players in front of him, so I don't think that can be counted as bias. Okay, thank you. Thank you for supporting my cause. He's a three-year starter, two at center. He was a Remington, a preseason Remington favorite. Remington Award is the best center in college football. He is all Big Ten second team in 2019. And he's all Big Ten third team in 2018. And I just I just like him because in three years at Michigan, he essentially had to learn three different offenses. And he just it was very the offense was very fluid with him in it, as best as it could be. There was a game this past season where he got injured for about, I think I want to say like three series. And he had to come out. The offense was disjointed. It didn't flow right. And then he came back in and he kind of settled down the offense. 
a good center is like a good catcher. They run they run the That's, offense all essentially, yeah. And wouldn't it be perfect to draft your your franchise quarterback and pair him with a three year starter uh, center? It be it's just it just makes so much sense. Two guys come in at the same time and they work together each and every day. They grow together as as a pair and as a unit. And it just makes sense to me for them to take him. It almost makes too much sense for the Bengals to do, but hopefully for the sake of their fans and their franchise, they'll do the smart thing and do it. I apologize. I don't have a comp for uh, Cesar Ruiz because I really don't. I don't know offensive linemen that well. I apologize, but I, I think it's the right pick for them at the time. Okay. Uh, any, anything, any takeaways, Chris, from that? No, man, I pretty much, I pretty much brought up my uh, opinions as they happened. I still stand. I, I know, you know, as far better than I do, but I still stand with my knowledge, albeit limited that Isaiah Simmons is going to seven. Providing there's no trades to get him ahead of time. If the Giants don't take him, he goes to the Panthers at seven. Oh, Chris, if you go by my uh, top players, Simmons should be number two. Yeah. I just, I, I, all I've seen from the kid and all I've heard, he's just, he's a phenom. Like, absolutely. He's 100%. He makes sense on every single team with the exception of, of Denver, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I, I guess you could say Baltimore, but even Baltimore probably could use him. <laughs> I know he's a, a linebacker, but I see him as a linebacker safety and just can transition so well. It's just a dynamic. I mean, hell, if the Chargers wanted to gamble and say, we're going to go with Tyrod Taylor and we'll see in the second round a uh, quarterback to draft, imagine them pairing Isaiah Simmons with uh, Derwin James. Oh, man. That would just be a nightmare. Oh, by the way, Joey Bosa in the uh, – not Joey Bosa, Nick, Nick Bosa. Right? No, they have Which Joey. One? San Diego has Joey. Joey. Yeah. I get him confused. Or Los Angeles has Joey. I just called it the wrong city. You called him the wrong brother, so we're even. Oh, that's fair. Uh, but imagine like professional radio here, folks. The three of them in each tier, you know, Bosa, Simmons, Derwin, and Derwin James, that'd just be scary. And I no Phillip Rivers to throw four picks a game. So they might actually they, be able to keep the ball. Chris, you are on fire. So. On fire. So you know, it's draft time and there's, you know, it's a positive time for a lot of players and, and a really good memory for a lot. Are you going to uh, go south on me, Chris? No, not, not terribly. Not on any of these guys because I don't know how they're going to turn out yet. Inevitably, there's the other side of, you know, we all have to hear the Tom Brady stories of 199th overall pick goes on to be one of the greatest of all time. Yep, yep. Then there's guys like Peyton Manning who were the first overall pick and played like it their entire career. Well, rookie year, he was pretty bad, but he learned pretty quick. Right. There's all those positive stories. And on the other end of that, there is your Brian Bosworths, your Chip Marcus Russells, your, well, you get the point. There's guys who were supposed to be the future of the league who just end up being absolute bums. They're abysmal. They have bad attitudes. They don't play well. Whatever reason, it doesn't work out. So I thought it'd be fun, right. because we all love a train wreck, to choose our biggest draft busts 
that we've ever seen. Just one. There's no list. Ben picks his. I pick mine. Going to go through them. Not long for him. Just kind of run down some stats that make you go, wow, that's terrible. Then we'll move on. But if you had to pick, Ben, your biggest draft bust you have ever seen, who was it? Now, Chris, when I thought of this, I'm like, Chris is going to go chalk. I'm pretty sure I know who he's going to go with. Were you right? I was right. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I was right because he's the most famous. Yeah. Mine is not the most famous. But when you look at his stats, you just think, oh, my God, what was that team thinking? Well, I mean. And then when I say the team, you'll be like, oh, that's what that team was thinking. I'm going to take the 2008 first round six overall pick out of Ohio State, Vernon Golston going to the New York Jets. Now you're thinking, this is just too easy. This is this is be put on a tee for me, right? Vernon Golston out of Ohio State failed miserably. I will admit, Chris, I was high on him. Yeah, you were. You know what? Yeah. You know why, right? You saw him play I a saw- lot. I saw him play first and I saw him for two seasons terrorize the big 10. Let me give you this perspective. He had 30.5 tackles for loss and 22 and a half sacks in two seasons. And in one season he had 14 sacks, which was a school record until Chase Young broke it this past season. I don't know. I know Ohio State fans will be like, oh, that's not a I, don't put those two names together because that's just bad news. Time will tell. I, well, time told quickly for Vernon Golston. In three years in New York, mind you, rookie contracts are four, four years. Three years, he recorded zero sacks, three tackles for a loss, and one QB hit. I'm going to throw a nice little stat at you, Chris. And this is this is what's going to seal the deal for him being the biggest draft bust ever. <clears throat> In that time frame, that three-year time frame that he played, 617 players, including 117 undrafted players, recorded at least one whole sack. Wow. I dropped the mic. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bad. I think my player's worse only because I chose him, so I'm biased. That's fair. In ni- going into nineteen ninety-eight, there was an honest debate. There was two quarterbacks at the at the top of the class. And it wasn't like a Carson Wentz Jared Goff thing where I know you're not high on either of those guys, but I think even even you can agree both of those players are light years ahead of the player I chose. That's my biggest draft bust of all time. That is correct. Not even comparable. Not even the puppet taking Sean McVay's advice and Jared Goff. He is so far and away above my player, it's not even not even funny. So the Indianapolis Colts had the first overall pick. The then San Diego Chargers had the second pick. There was honest debate whether this player or Peyton Manning, yes, that Peyton Manning, would be number one. My player, of course, the worst quarterback in NFL history, the biggest draft bust ever, the infamous Ryan Leaf. 
from Washington. Was it Washington State or Washington? I think it was Washington State. I believe it was Washington State. This guy was honestly considered to be better than Peyton Manning. Not only to the point where it's like, oh, it's kind of debatable. There were people, Colts fans, booing on draft day when the Colts picked Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf because they were so sure Ryan Leaf was the guy and Peyton Manning would be a bust that they were furious. Let me just run down a few. Now, like I said, I'm not going long for them, but there's just a few stats that can kind of back up my, uh, my talk here. Elaborate, Chris. Okay. Three seasons in college. I'll just give you the totals. Ryan Leaf had 7,400 yards, 59 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. He only played two full seasons. The, uh, I believe it was, I don't know if he came out as a junior or if he didn't play as a freshman. I'm not sure. It doesn't say that here, but first year he played, only played nine games and he played 11 and 12. Had a completion percentage of 54, which is really bad. But, you know, it is college, so things happen, whatever. You can still show flashes and have a lot of talent. Right. Manning, on the other hand, was a four-year starter. Started every game. No surprise. We all know Manning's pedigree. Yep. Didn't. He did throw for more yards because he started all full four seasons. Wasn't just two and a half years. But the final two seasons of their college career, you could comp them and say Ryan Leaf, with the exception of completion percentage, had an argument for being a better quarterback. Then they get into the pros. On draft day, the Indianapolis Colts, like Peyton Manning first overall. Uh, San Diego at the time. Chargers select Ryan Leaf. And all the Chargers fans are all happy. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. This jokester played 10 games his rookie year, 11 games his second year, and then got cut. Oof. He was so bad, the second overall pick, who many believed was preferable to draft over. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but you want to talk regular season quarterback ever? Peyton Manning can throw his hat in there and make that argument. Excluding playoffs, you can put Peyton Manning number one. Right. This guy might. <laughs> I don't even have to worry about playoff stats because it's Ryan Leaf. There's no playoff stats. He played 25 games, a grand total in those 25 game played, 3,600 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, 36 interceptions, completion percentage of just under 49%. Played two seasons for San Diego, got cut unceremoniously, then went to the Dallas Cowboys, started four games, excuse me, started three games. Started three games, played in a fourth, and never stepped on an NFL field again. Wow. Just horrible. So you're talking Peyton Manning, one of the most illustrious careers in NFL history. And then Ryan Leaf, who is literally the exact opposite. And you could have flipped a coin on draft day as to which one you thought would have the better career. (laughs) This guy is so bad. Our last place trophy in our fantasy league is called the Ryan Leaf Memorial Trophy. Because it's the, it's the last thing in the world you want. And it's the last thing in the world the Chargers wanted. And Chris, I don't believe you've ever incurred that trophy yet. Oh, I have. Have you? I oh, know have I, I ever won it? Have I ever won the yeah. worst trophy? 
Yes. Oh God, no, no. Right. I don't win. I don't win that trophy. <laughs> that trophy. I've... That trophy's not for me. No, you're right. I think I've won it twice. Yes, back to back. You almost won. Yeah. You almost won for the three P. Almost won the three. No, I've never. I've never come close. I missed the playoffs one year, and I was the fifth seed. Like it, it's not. It's not something I worry about. Well, that, that, that's that must be nice, Chris. Anyway, uh, moving on from negativity, little baseball news. Yeah, let's uh, kind of, let's let's shift gears. Kind of a cool thing. These World Series champion Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. Still sounds a little weird to say, but not, not a knock. Good for them. Just you know, they have stated. And I agree with this. I think it's really cool. They will play, but they will not celebrate and have the ceremony for the World Series championship until fans are allowed to attend. That makes sense. I think that's cool. They're a team that was kind of built on, you know, we're we're just, you know, we're, we're the underdog. We're we're big on our fans, and and well, they had, they had a lot of interaction. Yeah, like, not, that's what I'm trying. Direct. That's where I'm looking for interaction. And, and it, it really yeah. only makes sense that they do. I think it's really cool. Um, and again, they're not refusing to play. They're not trying to be difficult or anything. They're saying, we're not doing a ring ceremony. We're not doing anything else until our fans can be there. Well, like, I, think else, that's a good, I think that's a nice touch. It's good form. Everyone else does it that way. It's like, yeah. It just makes sense to, you know, even if it's, I mean, heck, if, it, if it's next year that they don't get to play with fans, they'll do it next year. I bet I would bet my bottom dollar, you know, opening day that year, you know, uh, they'd probably do the, the big ceremony, do the whole thing yep. with all the players for the fans, everything, the whole song and dance. It doesn't really matter, you know, cause in the end, it's a partnership between the fans and the players. Yes. And well, uh, I guess to a lesser degree, the ownership, because some ownerships just don't care about the fans. But between the players and the fans, I, I was actually making a dig at, at our one of our hometown teams. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, oh, Red Sox management, which is terrible. Yeah. Y- yes. Uh, or ownership, pro- excuse me. Ownership. Yes. Ownership is probably the worst in <clears throat> all sports. Uh, but that interaction between the fans and players can get contentious just at times, but sometimes it's helps drive some players. I mean, that whole, what was uh Gerardo Parra's whole baby shark thing? I never understood it. I guess it was a thing. It was dumb, but it got them hyped up and it worked for them, I guess. So it, it worked for them. Whatever yeah. works for you, man. Hey, and Gerardo Parra was like the fourth or fifth outfielder, but still. Was it in that- 2013? The Red Sox had the fear of the beards. Right. All they did was not shave, and that was their motivator. Like, they were hanging around, like, fake beards at the stadium. Like, it was the dumbest little thing, but it worked. People got behind it. It gave them motivation. It worked. And one of the biggest glue guys on that team was uh, the fifth, I I could say fifth outfielder, Johnny Gomes. Yeah. Like, you just just never know. So, it's a good move by the Nets. Um. Did we have an update on the uh, opening of the season at all, or no? No, they they've been saying that they have uh, been looking at possible places they could play, obviously without fans, in either Arizona or Florida. Right. I, for one, think Arizona would be a much better choice. Um, only because there's been a lot of reports that people in Florida are just not 
being careful and not advice, not taking the advice of quarantining and things like that. You're telling me the thousands of people going to the beaches is not adhering yeah, to the. Imagine that, right? I, I, that's yeah, I can't, I can't fathom. But so supposedly it's Arizona, and there is one very notable player who seems to have not so much an issue with this, but has raised concerns. Right. And that would be arguably the face of your game in general, Mike Trout. I would argue that point, but proceed, Chris. No, I, without a doubt, one of the faces, without a doubt. I, I by Not by choice, he's one of the faces. But he's one of the people they're pushing as the face of their game. Uh. They try to push him, but he doesn't take it. No, that's but they're trying. That's like, the problem. I know that's, but that's the problem with the sport is that the players that they want to push don't want to be pushed. Well, either way, he's their golden boy in their eyes. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean it as disparagingly to him because there's nothing he's doing wrong. He is a tremendous player. Um, but he has said that he sees some red flags with their plan. Right. Apparently what their plan is, they fly everybody out to a location, let's just say Arizona. They quarantine them for two weeks. Everyone's healthy. They start playing games. They go from hotel room to field to hotel room. And that's pretty much it for however long they decide to play. And you can say, all these guys make millions of dollars. They're rich. They should just do whatever. Okay, I get that. I really do understand that argument because they're going to live in a level of luxury that most of us will never see during a short amount of time. They're out there in the hotel room. They're not going to be staying at some little side of the road, trashy hotel room. They're going to be staying and getting the best service and care they possibly can. I get it. They are still human beings. So people they care about on the outside of that situation, somebody like Mike Trout and his wife are expecting their first child. So his concern was, what do I do when my wife goes into labor any other time? You know, because she understands he's playing baseball. He gets paid a lot of money. That's their livelihood. She gets it. Yeah. In a, a normal year, he could just get on a plane, fly home, be with his wife for a few days. They have leave for that in MLB. Fly back whenever everything's settled. Well, now, wouldn't be able to. Now, not only could he not go in a hospital with her, but he'd now have to fly home quarantined for two weeks before he could even see his wife or kid after she gave birth. His problem was if we're going to do this with so many caveats, why do it at all? And it's, I, it's about the people to be honest with you. What, what do you mean? What people it's about? I mean, I mean, obviously, obviously MLB has a financial stake in this. They want sure the revenue. They don't want to pay back the, the broadcasting money to the, uh, service providers or anybody. They don't want to pay the money back. They want to, they want to, they want their radio con- contracts and they want their TV contracts to be fulfilled by playing games. I get that. I think another part of it is for the people to, to get that sense of normalcy back after everything that's going on. And it would be nice that they would go out of their way to do this, to help some people get back to some form of normalcy by playing baseball, albeit for four and a half hours. But I think they might miss that point because they're more focused on what they want and not 
the whole picture. Whereas I'm looking at it, I get his point. That would be terrible to have to do all that. But I'm also getting paid millions of dollars. I'm sorry. You're going to have to suck it up. I understand the whole point of they make millions of dollars. I get that. But, I mean, it's kind of hard to say you're in an unprecedented situation. We've told you to stay home. Now, put that ball on your nose and dance seal and get your ass out to Arizona and play a game for all of us so we can sit at home and not watch it. Like It's kind of hard to justify no matter how much money you're making. On, on the flip side, I also think it's fair if they just turn around and say, uh, well, we don't want to do this, then Major League Baseball can turn around and say, well, you're not getting your contract this year. Give them their $1,200 stimulus check like everybody else got and let them do what they can with it. Incorrect, Chris, because they, they make over that, that threshold. Not if they're not getting paid. You know what? That's a good point, Chris. Unless, of course, they got paid some money already in spring training. I don't know if they do it. Yeah, I don't know. That was more to be a smart ass than anything else. But I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I just think this is a it's a broad spectrum for the sport because we, we've talked about this before about baseball. This this would be bad if somehow NHL comes back, plays their postseason, which is what they're – they plan on doing just playing the postseason and the NBA comes back and plays their postseason. And then let's not count that, that horse uh, televised game that they did with all those players. Cause that, I doubt that got enough. What? Uh, yeah, they used. tried, but it wasn't good. They tried though. But the NBA plans is, looks like they're going to try to come back as well. The NFL is probably NFL and NBA are probably the two teams where they could eat a season come back and still have the viewership they had before. Right. Baseball can't afford to eat a season, come back and hope that the fans come back because they already have a fan base that's contentious with some of the crap they do or some of the rules that they won't fix or some of the uh, pace of play that they won't correct that, if you just let it go for a year, it could start the 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 eventual demise of MLB. And maybe I'm going a little over the top, but I like baseball. I liked it when I was younger. And I've just progressively seen the game just drone on and on and on. It's just I can't watch it anymore. I, I get what you're saying. I really do. But I think in this situation, there's going to be a slight uptick when baseball starts. If I'm them, I don't bother. Because they're already talking. For all they're talking about, they're going to be coming back and playing soon. Yep, That's crap. Because Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, already came out and said, well, as of May 31st, you no longer have to pay your employees. Told each team this. Well, the players are technically employees. So I don't know what they're trying to do there. They're going to be an issue if they don't pay the players between, obviously, between the players' union and, and Major League Baseball. But there is going to be a rise in ratings across the board when these things come back. People are going to be interested. Would you rather, because I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm, I've watched WWE since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. 
say what you want about it. Like it, don't like it. I really don't care. That's my thing. I enjoy it. They've been having shows with empty arenas. And the performers have been trying as the best they can. It's no knock on them, but it is so hard to watching it into with nobody there. Half of the, the thrill and the joy of these sporting events is having the crowd interaction, the crowd reaction, all this, and they're not going to have that. So you're going to tell me baseball, with their poor ratings already, are going to come in with no fans and pretty much no noise in stadiums that have no sentimental value for anybody and get ratings to come up when TV ratings across the board are down right now. People are home, but they're streaming. They're not They're not watching Saturday night on NBC. They're streaming Netflix or Hulu or whatever the hell they're watching nonstop. So cable was down across the board. If I was MLB, I say, don't bother coming back in 2020. Come back in 2021. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And just, because I know it's a chance, but I really think if they come out and they do this, the way they're planning on it, where they have fly people out, everybody out to Arizona, and they play all the city games, they play, they go back to the hotel room, they play. That could be the death nail for baseball. Trying to make it better, they could make it worse. And then, on top of that, what if somebody or more than one person still ends up getting sick? They're done. Well, I've said before, even with all this stuff going on, I think MLB's on the decline. And in short order, we're talking next 20 years. I see the demise coming in my lifetime. I agree, but I think if they play and they play this hit, they play this hand wrong. It could be a lot sooner than that. But I also i I feel if you don't have a season, it's just going to make people think. And you, I know your position, but I make it. I feel like they're going to just oh well. I went without baseball. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not having baseball. I'm fine with it. It's no big deal, especially at the NBA, like we talked about before, shifts their season to pretty much encompass most of the baseball season. And I know those fans don't translate, but younger fans aren't going to baseball. So if you're not getting younger fans to baseball or not a large percentage, it's just not going to work out for you. You're you're right about that. I mean, the ratings are down big time. They're not drawing young fans. I get it. It's it's an unenviable position either way to be in. I'm not a huge fan of Rob Manfred. Actually, I'm not a fan at all. But I don't I do not envy him at all in this situation. Um, it's tough either way because you play it the wrong way. You could potentially be the the final commissioner while it's at least a major sport. Well, we we don't know if baseball will be here mm-hmm. when they'll be here. Any sport will be here. You know who will be there for you, though? Who's that? You and I. Oh, of course. We'll be right back here every Tuesday and Friday. We have been for six, seven months now. At least, yeah. And, as always, we would love to get your feedback, thoughts, or opinions of any fashion on any of our topics today. And, Ben, where can they go to do that? Well, they can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Football. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, at Pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. For Ben, I am Chris. We ask you all to please stay safe and stay healthy, and we will see you right back here, draft night. Thank you.